Welcome to Adulting on the Spectrum. I am Andrew Comero, an Autistic Certified Financial Planner. I co-run Adulting on the Spectrum with Eileen Lamb. Hey, Eileen. Hey, Andrew. Hey, everyone. I'm Eileen Lamb, and in this podcast, we want to highlight real voices of autistic adults, not just inspirational stories, but real people talking about their boring life. Basically, we want to give a voice to people like us. And today, our guest is Tony. Tony is a bilingual autistic author, writer, motivational speaker, podcaster, an international advocate for autism, mental health, and other causes. He was born and raised in Puerto Rico, currently lives in Florida. Tony works with Autism Speaks as part of the Autism Response Team, which is an information line for the autism community as part of his resume. Uh, Tony has 10 years of working in customer service, sales, management, and also done work on television where he had a segment about autism on Univision. Hey, Tony. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so, so much. You, you know, this is like a dream for me to be with you guys. So thank you so much. And I, and I thank you for what you guys do for the community. Just oh, thank you. So, so Tony, I'm going to actually change the script slightly. How much are you getting paid to be here today promoting <laughs> Autism Speaks agenda? <laughs> uh, I, I got a feeling I was trying to get a question for that, but no, not being paid. Zero, This is right? just me, zero, Tony hernandez Pumarejo, who has been an advocate for 10 years done work for the, I have worked and live autism since age three, so. So. Just for the record. Yeah. <laughs> just for the record. Yeah. yeah. You're being paid just as much as we are. Zero. Yeah. Just uh, trying to help the community. So Eileen, exactly. I, stole, I stole your first question that you usually ask away. So mm-hmm. I'll give that back to you now. Thank you. So Tony, we, uh, we always ask our guests how they like to identify and we're talking about, you know, autistic person with autism and also your uh, preferred pronouns. Well, in terms of the preference, I, you know, in terms of first person, the third person, uh, sometimes you may see me change terms as a person on the spectrum or an autistic person. Sometimes I may go to Asperger. Reason for it is because that was my original diagnosis. But to be honest, uh, and I know there's a debate in terms of that, I have no preference in regards to what I'm being called. And in terms of pronouns, I never understood the pronoun thing, to be honest, with all due respect, but I, I guess I'll go with him and he. Can you tell us more about yourself, uh, your, your story? Uh, we like to say boring lives and maybe yours isn't so boring. We hope it's interesting. Well. <laughs> um, and just, you mentioned Asperger's is the term when you were diagnosed. So you must've been diagnosed um, you know, at least several years ago, and tell us what that was like. Tell us your story. Well, thank you, Andrew and Eileen, again. Um, my name is Antonio Hernandez Pumarejo. That's my full name, but I go by Tony. was born and raised in Puerto Rico. I was diagnosed with autism at age three. This is in 93. I was born in 1990. Back in the early 90s, there was not a lot of information about autism as it is today. Um, and because of this, my parents were, they were told different things in terms of what I had. They even you know that I had this or that I have this or disorder or anything. They even told my mom that I was a retard. And this was not just anybody, it was a, a official from the Department of Education in Puerto Rico. And the and the and the term retard was used more often at that time to describe uh, different differences and conditions. Let me back then. And and today they I was able to receive the diagnosis at a stream as autism, simply autism, because this was a year before the DSM-4. I don't know if you guys remember the DSM-4 was released in 1994. 
that's when they came to terms, you know, autism, you know, Asperger, and there was like two other types, I forget the names right now. But as a person, uh, on, you know, even on the spectrum, I was completely nonverbal until age four, uh, struggles with severe and social, you know, anxiety disorder, which I still deal with it to this very day. Uh, struggles with communication, struggles with making friends and understanding what other people did, uh, repetitive behaviors, uh, problems with eye contact, and so many things. Uh, but the biggest challenge uh, was connecting with others. And this led to different types of situations as I was growing up in school, like facing social rejection, bullying, and many other tough situations. And one of the examples is, you know, in my culture, uh, we, we, uh, we laugh a lot. We, we, we tell jokes and gossip and all that stuff. And for example, with the different types of jokes, I, I didn't laugh or didn't follow through. And, and the other kids thought, you know, they thought about, they took that as a sign of disrespect that I was disrespecting them. And that was not the case. I was having difficulties understanding what they did. And that led to a lot of different situations. I'm the third of four children. Uh, my mom, my parents were divorced at age, when I was age five. So I went to a lot of tough situations. Sometimes you see the, uh, some autism family all for perfect and the, you know, the shower or the spectrum receiving all the love and care. And unity. Like if you follow Eileen's Instagram, that's exactly what you will see all the time. Mm-hmm. Some but, sarcasm there for by by the way, okay. Yeah, yeah, and I have issues with sarcasm too. So with all the respect, sometimes you know when they you know I don't follow through. It's that I'm not being disrespectful. Is I have difficulties and that with all the respect. Uh, but I'm not saying that my parents didn't support me. They did support me, but there was a lot of challenges. Uh, we lived with my mom for the first years. Then my mom had to leave Puerto Rico because she was diagnosed with MS. Or what if MS is multiple sclerosis? which is the same disease that unfortunately my aunt, her sister passed away at age 46, almost in 2008. Then we moved to my dad. Another thing is that this was a lot of changes going on. Uh, we were had, had to deal and struggle with all of these changes, changing school also. So it was, in other words, to make it simple, I was receiving a lot of hit, you know, hits from life. You know, I was, it's like being rocks being thrown at me. And and then the interesting part of this journey is that I didn't know about autism until age 14. It, age 14 was the first time I heard about autism. I was diagnosed at three, but I didn't find out until age 14. You mentioned the bullying too. Um, and that's something that's really close to my heart because my youngest is dealing with it. I dealt with it uh, when I was uh, a child too. Um, do you feel like talking about this, do you think there's anything we can do to educate people about bullying in the autism community? Uh, and going to my bullying situation, I went through what is called cyberbullying, but this was in high school, 2006, 2007. I have a situation in which, um, you know, I was receiving the bullying attacks. The homo- I was being attacked as a homosexual. I was being attacked as a monster that wanted to kill people. And I'm sorry that I'm talking like this, but I'm talking about the way that the things that I was going through back then. Also, 2007, they stole my identity. They created fake profiles, a thing called MySpace back then, which was the most popular platforms. I don't know that it still exists, but they stole my identity and they created three profiles and they said horrible things. And that led me to clinical depression and suicidal thoughts. That's where it began, which continued on for a couple of years. Uh, so in going to the bullying and what should we do, it's not an easy, you know, it's not a, a clear answer. We can talk about uh, raising more awareness about the, the different situations of bullying. But until we solve the core issues in our society, we're never, you know, we're not going to be able to get to where we want to build. 
an inclusive world, a more accepting and respected world to respect the differences. You know, so we had to work together first in our community because they're bullying in our community and I have to say it, but also in our society as well. We have to work together to create a more inclusive environment. And we had, and it starts, and it starts with us. And it starts with us to be able to improve and be able to work together. I don't know if that answers your question or. Yeah, thank, thank you. Yeah. So you advocate for adults um, on the severe end of the spectrum. What do you think we can do to ensure that, you know, everyone gets the support they deserve I think I heard a, a radio advertisement, Autism Speaks. I was listening to Bloomberg uh, last month and it was, uh, I think I'm paraphrasing, but we just want everyone with, with autism to to live like their best lives. I, I don't think I have it exactly correct, but it was potential. It, which So what does that, again, uh, mean to you? And, and what can we do to, you know, ensure that mission is achieved? Um, that's a very you know, excellent question. Um, I know that there's, as part of our debates in our community, um, and we have to talk about this, is some people, there's, you know, I don't know how to say it, sorry. Um, there's not enough talk about severe autism. Now, I don't, that doesn't mean that I only advocate for severe, for people that have more severe autism. I advocate for everybody. You know, what is level one, two, and three. The, the whole thing is that we need to talk more about that. And, not, and, don't tell, and, it, and let's not get ourselves wrong. I mean, people with a high functioning autism have their own challenges and they also need support as well, but it's different. It is very important to be able to all, of, sorry, all of, everything that is important here is education, to be able to learn about how autism impacts each individual because it's different beyond the level one, two, and three. Um, and unfortunately, there's not been a lot of talk about uh, severe autism, whether it's media or in our social media, because they have a picture of autism being the high functioning. And that's only one autism. For example, you have different groups that are call themselves this, and that, and they say, oh, that they are they represent autism, which is not the case. They they're only a part of, of the autism world, as I call it. But in other words, you know, and I and I don't want to sidetrack from your question. Our community's mission, despite the debates, despite the divisions, is one thing: quality of life, supports help each individual on the spectrum, knowing their strengths and their challenges and work with them to be able to achieve a better quality of life. I've always believed as an advocate that whether you're not verbal or you're verbal or you need more support 24 seven, each individual can achieve a better life. That's, I always see it. That's why I've been fighting as an advocate for the entire community for almost 10 years is for education, First, uh, you know, be able to get more together as a community, which is the key, to get more together as a community first, and then work with society together to achieve that goal, whether you're a child on the spectrum or an adult. I loved your answer. Uh, it's it's something that's really close to my heart too, to make sure that everyone on the on the spectrum is represented on social media and in the media, just because. Okay. Like you, see, you know, like you look at those TV shows and movies, and you know they feel like very inclusive because well, there's an, an autistic person, but it's always the same type of uh, autistic person, like almost like genius, like kind of quirky with, uh, you know, and just like me, right, Eileen? Or, 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 like, or like me that I've been on television. <laughs> yeah, tell us about that. What was it like as an autistic person working in television? 
So bef- yeah, so before, you know, uh, the, the way in which I got the television, going back to a little bit to my story, if you guys don't mind, because I, I left it in high school. So I graduated from high school. I went to college. I had struggles in college. The good thing is I, had, I don't have to deal with the bullying in college, which was good. But I was struggling in making friends. I felt like an alien, you know, when I, when I was in college or different places. I was like, what's wrong with me? And that, that's it. I'm being honest. People can say, why are you saying there's something wrong with me? I said, I'm saying that that's what I felt at that time. Because sometimes people may, get, may take that as, ah, you're not, you're not proud of that, which, I don't, you know, that's part of the things we're talking about. But I, I, went, you know, I went to college. I moved, to Puerto, I, I moved from Puerto Rico to Florida. I got my first job. And this is, I, I got a job in an area which, according to society, uh, I'm not, we're not supposed to be doing, which is customer service. The reason why is because customer service is 100% social communication and it's a very fast-paced environment. And, you, and people told me that I was not going to make it there. And I thought that I was not going to make it there. Go ahead, sorry. So, so this is actually one of the, the questions that we were, we were going to ask, and I, I think you were going about to get there. Um, so I, I'm also in a, you know, a customer service sales-based role. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's one of those where, you know, it's not commonly thought of, or you're not able to make it. So what made you, so kind of a two-part, a bit more specific, what made you, um, you know, want to do that in the first place? Was it, you know, the only job available? Was there, you know, a reason? Why did you excel at it, assuming that you did, which we're going to assume? And, you know, what, um, you know, also what, what struggles did you have and, and any, um, you know, advice you can give on, on how you overcame that specifically in what's considered a sales and customer service role? Because this is just such a huge misconception um, that I think is really important. Uh, yes. Uh, what happened was moved to Florida. I was trying to get a job according that will be a fit for me as a person on the spectrum. Reason for it is because I don't know if you guys remember there was an article by Dr. Temple Grandin, uh, in which she put the list of jobs right recommended for people on the spectrum. Uh, these people on the spectrum can do this job, but there's a list of jobs in which are not recommended for people on the spectrum, and cashier was one of them. And the thing is, I was looking for more of a position uh, that it will require less social communication. That will require less dealing with people. That was back then. The thing is that I was, not, I was having difficulties finding that job. I was not able to find it. It took me months. And the thing is, at that time, I was living with my mom and we got through financial difficulties. So as a result of that, I had, I had to put it on myself. Okay, let me find uh, whatever, whatever came by because we were in a recession back then. This is 2012. And, and I, I, I applied for the position of cashier, recommended by vocational rehabilitation. I worked with VR a little bit, not successful, but they referred me to apply to this place, the big, big retail, big retail box stores. You know, when you, you know, you know what you guys are, what I'm talking about, the big stores like Walmart. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first challenge that I had is in anxiety and dealing with severe anxiety, going to the interviews. But my mindset, the way I was able to surpass and to survive the interviews was that I focus on one thing. What can I contribute? Hey, this is what I contribute to your, to your business. This is what I have done. This is what I can do for you, despite my challenges. And I went through struggles, and, but I was able to get a job. 
then I got into the environment. And, and you guys, um, you know, being this job as a cashier felt like being in school again, because I was dealing with different types of people, different types of personalities. They were nice people. And there were other people that were special. And what I mean by special is they were not very nice. And it was so fast paced because if you work in retail, I don't know if you guys know anybody that's working retail is you have to be fast paced. You have to be here. You have to multitask as a cashier. And I, and I was struggling badly. I thought I was not going to survive. And that went to a severe depression because it got to a point in which I was blaming everybody. I was blaming my so what past. what made you sur survive? So you started the job out of necessity. You stepped outside your comfort zone. And then, well, you spent 10 years doing it. So I imagine it got better. How did it yeah. get better? Well, it came to one important moment in 2012, 2013, in fact. I was so depressed, um, so frustrated with myself that, you know, I felt like I felt like I was a failure in life. And I almost ended my life in that year. But it got to a point in which I had to put everything under in perspective. And I had to say, hey, I can no longer blame the past. The past is done. There's no, there's no time machine. There's no way to go back. There's no way to go back and fix. But what I can do is to work on myself and not let autism determine what I can and cannot do and moving on to accomplish my goals. And this was the moment, and this was a key moment and also as an advocate, as I'm gonna mention just a little bit. And then I began to, I continued to improve. I began to improve my social skills to the best of my ability. But so, I, I mean, to... To, to, to challenge you for a little bit, I, that's, mm -hmm. that is very important as somebody who's struggled with very similar things, I, I can relate. But if somebody's listening and they're also very depressed because they're working a cashier job, you know, it, it, it's inspirational, but what practical tips can you give us? So like, you know, you know, it, it can be very, it's almost impossible, right? To like, you know, somebody's depressed and be like, no, I, I just found it within myself and now I'm able to do it. But for somebody who's in that situation right now and is hard getting day to day, what like one or two just very practical, simple tips can you give somebody who's in a retail job when they're struggling and they're overwhelmed? What did you do to make your work experience better? Well, a couple of tips. One, focus on building your social skills. Get out of the comfort zone. The more people, the more you talk to people, the better. Don't limit yourself in that area. Also, but what if? Be, but but also, I was going to you know. Also, another tip is to be able to learn, to be you know, learn the different skills. You know, don't let you know. A lot of times, we let the the, the challenge or the limitation determine what we can do. You have to be open minded, and that's what I tell everybody when I'm advocating. We, we a lot of times we let limitations you know determine what we can cannot do. Uh, learn, as I said, training. Take every opportunity to grow. Have a proactive relationship with your supervisor. I know, I know it's, not everybody has the best supervisor in the world. I understand that. But you, have, you, know, you may hate your job. You may feel depressed. But you have to find a way. And again, it's, you, know, for you guys, it's different for each individual. And, you know, to find a way to find one thing that you want to learn from this job, work on it because it will help you to be able to grow, not only to get a better job later, but also in your career. So as I said, there's a couple of things that, you know, that I tell, and again, each person's different, on the, especially on the spectrum. Uh, 
but that's one thing you know if you know for one for me one thing is different than for all of you or each person in the spectrum it's one thing that you have to work on to be able to survive in those types of jobs and again each person in the spectrum is different each person's not not everybody's going to do retail jobs not everybody's going to do so you know sales and all that and i understand that but that doesn't mean that the person on the spectrum others in the spectrum are incapable of doing anything they're capable of doing something we have again work with the individual learn from them and you know learn from them and work with them to achieve their true potential uh, hopefully that answers the, the question or i think it does andrew does it yeah um no and i think that that's a good tip is no matter where you are take take away you know one important thing one useful thing for the next stage you know in your journey um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and speaking of the next step in your journey, you now work at Autism Speaks. Um, can you tell us about your job there? I know uh, you're part of what's called the Autism Response Team. I don't think people are familiar with it, and it's one thing I love about Autism Speaks. So uh, if you could tell us more about it, that would be great. Definitely. I haven't missed the TV part yet, which I wanted to talk about before we end the interview. So yes, I work with the Autism Response Team with Autism Speaks. My journey to Autism Speaks is a story in itself. And the reason for it is because I've been applying for years. My relationship with Autism Speaks was not very, you know, in sync, let's put it that way. Um, because I was part of that group that was not a fan of it. But what convinced me to join Autism Speaks is, hey, uh, let's focus on, on my mission again, what became my mission. If I can do something, uh, working with a greater, you know, with Autism Speaks that makes a difference for our community, and I was able to do that, then I'll be proud. And hey, let's work with this. Let's work together as a community to get all together. So I applied for Autism Speaks for the first time in 2017 for the art position, you know, for the autism response position. Then I reapply again in 2018. I, I did the interviews and all of that. But there was a situation in which the position had closed and it, it was moved to a different location. But I never lost communication with Autism Speaks. We kept ourselves in communication. Then last year I applied for the position again. And, and, and this time, and I remember because, uh, you know, Lindsay uh, Nader, you know, Lindsay Nader, she remembered me from the interviews that I did three years prior. Mm -hmm. So, they, what I did was to create, you know, I was able to do the interviews. I did the interviews with Andrew, everybody, and they offered me the position. And I felt so relieved because I was leaving retail after 10 years and my back was killing me because working as in retail as a manager, it's not easy. And so um, working with the autism response team throughout this year, I have learned more, you know, a little bit of, if, if you don't know what the autism response team is or what they do, I'll explain it right now. The autism response team is an information line that works for the community. We receive calls, emails, messages, from everybody that is impacted by autism, whether it's parents, autistic uh, self-advocates, uh, professionals, therapists, looking for information or resources and supports from across the country. And not only the country, but also other parts of the world, especially in Latin America. And, and I learned in this position, you know, the, the trends. And what I mean by trends is, you know, what is what the people are looking for, what our parents are looking for, what autistic individuals are looking for the professionals are looking for. I learned about different situations in this job. I learned more about our community in this position because right now, autism became officially my full-time job. I was no longer a retail. Now autism became my, becomes my full-time job. And I have learned so many things, so many things that I wish in our community 
some issues in which I wish in our community is being talked, you know, we need to talk about more often than some of these things that for me, with all due respect, takes us away, especially the divisions, takes us away from where our mission should be, quality of life. It's not complicated. And for yeah. example, and I, and I wanna mention a couple of things, it's a couple of situations uh, that goes to my point. I receive uh, situations of families homeless. I have received you know, cases of autistic adults homeless in jail. There's so many situations that unfortunately are not talked about a lot in the community. So. I'm very proud to be able, it's not easy, especially this one month. For me, honestly, April, you know, this was the most you know, exhausting April I've ever had because I was working in art and also working in my other parties as well. But you do a job to make a difference. You can make, be that lifesaver for that family, for that autistic individual. And I'm very proud and honored to be part of the response team and not only working with the response team, but doing other things for our great organization. So I'm very pr proud and, and privileged and honored and blessed to be with Autism Speaks. So, so does the Autism Response Team just help people find gay conversion therapy and access to eugenics? Sorry, that's a bit of sarcasm. Or like, can you give us, you know, and I think it's true, um, you know, there's a lot of people where there is no other resource, right? Not everyone has the ability, especially, you know, again, minority or homelessness, or can you tell us about, assuming you, you can disclose it, you know, mm -hmm. just, you know, a moment where you really made a difference for like this one person, this story, or just an example of somebody who called in, who you were able to help. Um, do you have any examples? Um, I have a couple, obviously without disclosing the identity and the exact situation. Um, I have this family that was, you know, not this family, sorry, an autistic individual that was reaching out to us multiple times. Um, so wait, 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 hold on, hold on. So first, many, I think many would be surprised that autistic individuals contact the autism response team and that not every autistic individual hates autism speaks and that you actually are an autistic individual providing free help and support to other autistic individuals. I mean, that sounds pretty amazing. Um, so mm -hmm. I just want to say, is that before I let you answer the question that I just asked, is that a, lar is that a higher portion then most people would believe that it's not just families, that there are lots of adults out there. If you're homeless, you don't care about identity language on the internet. If you're an autistic homeless person, um, that's, you're not your number one concern. Just, it, is that a higher percentage than some might be led to believe? Yes, it's a higher percentage. And a lot of times they don't, they don't disclose also that they have an autism diagnosis, but you may feel like I have the signs as I, as I say, and I don't want to overcomplicate things because one of the things that I have is being too analytical, but other, sorry about that. Um, it's a different variety of topics that they call about. Um, and I have this autistic adult that was feeling depressed because nobody understands it. And this autistic adult said, and I'm not making it up or anything, said, I wish I can find a cure to, you know, to cure what I'm going through. No. I, I, I talked to him and say, I understand it's difficult, but I, I share with him all the information and supports that can help him as well. You didn't give him access to the super secret cure that Autism Speaks is working on in their black no. side back, you know, office, you know, hidden underground. No, I just provided that support and that resource and tell them that, hey, we're here to support. And I credit the customer service experience that I had for 10 years because it learned me to deal with tough situations, especially as a manager uh, during COVID. 
I never stopped working during COVID and I had to do with a lot of tough situations. Uh, so I think the hit, you know, the experiences of life have helped me uh, through imperfections, of course, I'm not saying I'm perfect, I'm not, but to learn to work with those, uh, whether it's autistic individuals, families, work with the different perspectives, uh, the differences of opinion and the different situations towards one goal, quality of life. I always say that quality of life because that's the that's what our mission as a community should be, in my opinion. I just uh, I just wrote a, an article about Autism Speaks um, from my own perspective. I work with Eileen, if we're recording, I don't think we've ever announced that you work for Autism Speaks yet on our podcast, right? that you've got a job. I mean, I don't think <laughs> we have. So everyone, Eileen got a job working for Autism Speaks about a year into our podcast. You know, it's not secret anymore anyway, because I wrote a blog post about autism. <laughs> yeah. I- and not a lot of people knew that I was without this and speaks until recently. They posted the upworthy. Um, there was well, we're going to ask you about the upworthy. So just hold on a minute. Okay, okay. let Eileen finish. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I posted an article about autism speak just uh, before we hopped on for this podcast. And one of my points was that I love autism speak because of that amazing uh, hotline, the the response team. And uh, I, you know, I posted about it, and people are like, "Did not know about it?" already and i think that's something uh that would benefit so many families like often people come to me after a diagnosis hey i don't know what to do who to talk to uh and now i'm so glad that i know to tell them hey just contact the art team uh autism speaks um anyway let's yeah let's talk about that of course the article um so you did a collaboration with of course and they posted it on social media and the comments were not uh, very kind. Let's just say this. Um, does it affect you uh, to read those comments or what is it like for you? It affected me. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, but um, I shouldn't, I, I, you know, I was not surprised because I can understand. There's so many, you know, I can understand. I'm trying to understand the different points of view from these groups, you know, that, are, that they take autism as an identity. And some people, and I try to understand the different points of view. Uh, some people don't understand. Some people don't know that I've done. I've worked for the community uh, almost ten years before autism speaks. So this is not my first time, you know, doing autism work. I've been doing it for almost ten years. I have also written a book before autism speaks. I had different things before autism speaks. Uh, I think that's one. Of the, unfortunately, it's very sad, really, that, that we still have these issues. To be honest, uh, because you know. It, it, it can be compared to what a vision that they had in the past. And, and that divide is no different than the divide that we're seeing. And I may sound controversial right now, but that's the way I see it. You're no better than the vision that you fight against, like the, pre, the previous vision of organization before. So we had to let go, you know, as I said, Autism, you know, people that say they speak for all of us, that's not true. You could only speak for yourself. I had to learn carefully also in terms of language because I had to be said, okay, I, what I do is I raise awareness of our, our cause, our autism, the good and the bad, the, the inspirational stories, but the difficult stories because it's a world, it's an autism world, differences of opinion. But I have always believed, and I'm, that's the reason I don't lose hope, I've always believed that we have more in common than what we're more, we have more things in common than the things that divide us. And if we work together, the different 
um, groups within our autism community, we can achieve better things. And, and I believe that we will be in a better place than the place that we are right now in terms of autism. So uh, that's the key is that, hey, I, you know, people are not gonna agree with my, you know, my decision that we're for autism speaks and I can respect their opinion. Uh, but the one thing that we need to, you know, stop is this calling, this bullying, this uh, hate speech that I see from different people. I'm not gonna name uh, people. But we need to work together as what the mission should be against quality of life. Same post that. How do you feel about the current autistic representation on television? And I know that seems like a loaded question, but to, to break it down with a bit more specificity for you, what is your favorite representation of autism in television? You can include movies or you know, um, you know, video entertainment industry, and also, if you could share, what is your, you know, least favorite and why? It's so difficult because I can, obviously I can include myself because I've been on television, but I think that one of the most best uh, episodes that I've watched on television was Dating on the Spectrum, the Australian dating program that has a different autism, you know, people on the spectrum. I think that's, that's the name, correct? Dating on the Spectrum? I think you are correct. What, what did you like most about that episode? It showed the different things that are realistic in terms of the challenges that people on the, you know, autistics, you know, people on the spectrum have in regards to dating, in regards to relationship. And for me, watching those episodes was difficult for me to watch because I've always had, and I still have a challenge with relationships. Um, it may not sound, you know, it may sound weird for others, but I've never been in a full relationship. So this has been an area that People may say, oh, you're, you're a success story. You've done this, do, do that. And I can understand, but I have things that I'm struggling with and I've struggled with since then. And I'm not, you know, making, I'm not saying that for sympathy or everything. I'm just saying what I'm going through and what my connection to that TV program. So, because I felt connected to that TV program. I don't know if that makes sense. And it for does. me, that was- aren't, aren't they doing a, a US version of the TV program now? Have you auditioned yet? Uh, I didn't know about it. Well, I heard about it, but I've been so basic with so many things. I'm probably going to miss it. So uh, I'm going to find it once I have a chance to finish the podcast. But yeah, that's my favorite representation. And my least, to be honest, and with all due respect, is the ones in which sometimes they show the superpowers uh, without, you know, where's the, as I said, I'm not saying they're bad shows, but I say the good doctor, for example, again, not, you know, as I said, they just represent one autistic story. We had to realize that autism is a spectrum, but, I, but, that's a, uh, but again, we had to make sure, and I'd like, like to see more. I know we have a friend that is working on this as a consultant, Dr. Kerry Magger, who's a mentor of mine. He's more on, into this than I am, but we need to continue to create more inclusion for all the entire spectrum. And I think that hopefully we can continue to work on that you know, as the years move on. Okay, we have a... Do you know the the statistic for the the art art by any chance? Any statistic you can tell us about uh, the statistics? Uh, statistics for what specific again? For for the autism response team, there's um we're actually we we've decided we actually think it would be a good thing to promote. So like I know there's some statistics on like how many calls are field. I think there's a nice graphic too that I've seen before. Do you, yes. do you have those off the top of your head? Because if you do, then Eileen will just ask you that question, right, Eileen? Yeah. Um, cause we probably want to share that, um, and piss off actually autistic a bit. Um, okay. 
No, well, I don't have it in my numbers exactly. I know that there has been an increase in terms of the percentage of autistic, you know, people that, you know, autistic people calling the art team. There have been a percentage. Right now it's in double digits, like 11%, um, I believe it was. Obviously they call, or one of the statistics is that a lot of people call for supports, for resources. Uh, one of the areas that they call also very often is for employment, which is a big challenge in our community, employment, uh, business, entrepreneurship. Also calls for transition as well. Um, also in terms of the diagnosis as well. A lot, we have received an increased call of adults calling for to get an information for a diagnosis. There's been an increase on that because I have a, this person say, oh, uh, my, my child is on the spectrum, was recently diagnosed, but I get it. I'm feeling with all the symptoms that may also be on the spectrum. And, and, I, and that has been an increase on those calls as well. Uh, obviously the language, as there's been evolution in terms of the language as the years gone by, in terms of more acceptance, uh, more, not in the negative tone about autism, but to be more neutral focus uh, language to make sure that we're including everybody. And and I think, I don't know if, the, you know, but that's, that's are some of the trends and statistics that they have been. We also have been, obviously, and I'm gonna, and I want, I'm very proud to, to mention this because I'm bilingual. Uh, my second language is Spanish. Uh, there have been an increase in terms of the numbers of Spanish calls and emails uh, to our team. We have different uh, bilingual uh, associates in our team. And we have received calls, especially you know emails from different countries, you know, especially Latin America. So uh, we have had we have uh, you know increased our approach to the Hispanic community, and I'm very proud to be part of that approach. So uh, hopefully that answers the question. And we're a team of of a couple of people. So, with so a team of a couple of people helped eighty six thousand people. And mm -hmm. how much did you charge them for the help um, that you provided? No, we don't, we, we don't charge them. We, we do it out of love and care to help our people and our community because there's another need out there. And our goal is to be, again, to be that person to provide that support. A lot of times it's not easy because we're not Superman or super, you know, Wonder Woman. Um, but our goal is to be able to do the best of our ability despite the challenges and despite everything to be able to provide that support to our families, to autistic individuals and our society in general. Awesome. I don't know you guys were only two. That's pretty impressive. And you just mentioned that you're bilingual. I'm bilingual too. Uh, yeah, nice. <laughs> so as someone who also speaks an, an other, another language, can you tell us uh, any struggle or differences uh, growing up uh, bilingual and autistic? Well, uh, because I was born and raised in Puerto Rico, which is, you know, most of people there speak Spanish. I was able to learn English very well early in my age, you know, around early through my childhood. My mom, the way, uh, I obviously the school helped me a little bit, but the way that really helped me was my mom put uh, English television. He, he, she put Cartoon Network back then when it was, you know, at the top of the nineties. Uh, she put wrestling, she put Star Wars. I'm a big Star Wars fan. That's one of my hobbies. Um, hey, Eileen, have you seen yeah. Star Wars yet? <laughs> uh, don't worry. Eileen I, has I, never seen Star Wars ever. <laughs> working on it you you go to netflix disney plus you hit watch star wars and there we are yeah. come on eileen come well on. i'm i'm eileen i'm gonna let you pass usually i don't get i'm not gonna nice. let her pass i'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep bothering the crap out of her about this one it's all yeah. eileen hold on hold on we're, we're recording this in the beginning of may so of course may 4th is coming up eileen 
I oh, mean, watch it on main course. How about that? That would be so meaningful. Oh, yeah. I would always remember when I watched it. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. My, my connection with Star Wars has been with me since age six. Uh, but going back to the question of English, that's where I learned because and I'm able to watch English television in my, in my household. And also, through, and also my hobbies helped me also. Video games, wrestling, when, I, when it was good, a long, long, long time ago, in my opinion. And Star Wars, for me, when it was good, 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 when it was a long time ago. Uh, but I've been to Star Wars conventions. I've met different actors and actresses. I took pictures from with Mark Hamill. I took pictures with Carrie Fisher a year before she passed away. Uh, for me, for me, that was like, because for me, it's always, always be challenged. I had hobbies. And for me, they were not only hobbies. For me, that was me going into my own world. And, and to be able to do this, you know, this trip to Star Wars, the conventions and everything for me was a dream. And those are one of the best moments I had in my life. So I will never forget. That's nice. You're really selling a Star Wars. That's something. Celine, you got to watch it. Two days. <laughs> you had to, you had to live, you had to not only watch it, you had to live it. Oh, they're like <laughs> six or seven movies now. Nine. I, 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 I one. Hold on. Just like ABA. I will give you a prize and let's do one little step at a time. I will give you a $5 Starbucks gift card for watching the first uh, Star Wars. But by first, I mean A New Hope, episode four. That's the how original- Eileen works, right? Like bribing you to take small steps. That, that's how ABA works, right? Or this is how I imagine it works. Basically, I'm bribing Eileen to watch Star Wars. So, sure. yeah. yeah. Oh, wait, you started at four? Well, no. So, well, Okay, we'll talk later. It's a little complicated, yeah, it's complicated. but it starts at it starts at four. Just just go with it. Okay. We'll we'll explain it to you later. And if anyone is just listening, that even I can notice the confusion on Eileen's face. It's that dramatic. So don't, um, don't worry. I'm here to help as well. Let me know. <laughs> oh my god. All right, Tony, tell us uh, where we can find you on the on social media if you want people to follow you. Sure, definitely. But before I go to that, I want to you know, finish my story because I love to you know, finish my story. And you're um, autistic was, and we, you won't be able to continue if we don't let you finish the story. So yeah, the story. <laughs> <laughs> it's who I am. Yeah, it's what it is. So, but yes, I was able to graduate. Uh, I went back to school in 2013. I left college in 2011. I went back to college in 2013 after my year of working in the customer service. Um, I went back to school. I graduated in the area of business information management here in Florida. I was able to graduate with my bachelor's degree in business information management in 2016. Uh, and for me, this was a very important moment of my life because not only I graduated with magna, magna cum laude honors, uh, 3.7, 3.76 GPA at that night, but also I was recognized in a, as an autistic college graduate by the college president at that time. And for me, that's very important because not because of my story or special or anything like that, because he became the confirmation of what has been, and it is my job today, which is to be that ambassador, that advocate for an entire community and to demonstrate to our society that people on the spectrum can achieve a better life, you know, regardless of the challenges and the struggles. So a lot of times we focus on that. Each person can achieve a better life. And that became my mission. You know, later on, I graduated from college. I was able to release my own book, both in English and Spanish, my bilingual book because there's not a lot of books of autistics in Spanish at the moment. And then later became a motivational speaker. Uh, and going back to the television question that you asked me early on, uh, this came about in 2019 because I was promoting my book in Puerto Rico and they invited me to, you know, to talk about my book in the main uh, channels, including Telemundo. 
And at that time, I didn't have many followers on social media. Barely anybody knew about me. There are people that knew about me, but not a lot. And in, within the first interview, after, you know, I gained like 400 friend requests on Facebook. I never had even five friend requests at the same time. And I received 400 at the same time. It's amazing. And then I have interviews on and on. And then I was offered to be in the position of having my own TV segment at Univision, which I had for two years. And to work on television, I'm going to talk about, I want to talk about this, you know, going to my work experience. It's not easy. You know, you had to, I had to adjust myself working within the time frame because working on television, you know, it takes, you know, it's, you know, fast paced. You only have a couple of minutes to do your TV show, your TV segment. And I had to learn about that. And again, I didn't let the limitations control what I can and cannot do. Uh, but I was able to learn working on television, the multitasking and unexpected. I was able to bring people that, I, you know, that I interview within the autistic community from around the world. I even, even brought Dr. Temple Grandin to my show and I interviewed her almost a year ago, being the first and the only autistic Hispanic TV journalist to interview her on television and to this date. And I interviewed so many others and I started my podcast right now. So uh, again, my, one, mission, one message that I wanna leave before we end is, is again, we had to eat, help each the person on the spectrum achieve a better life, give them the opportunity. Again, just because they have the challenges, that's not me that can do something. I've always believed that. And hopefully we can, uh, people that were watching this podcast can take that away from our conversation and we can create a better world for our people on the spectrum and their families. That was perfect. Great way to, uh, to wrap this up. Uh, well, actually one more thing. I'm going to ask you some quick fire questions. Uh, sure. So you tell me just the first thing that comes to your mind, you know, like quick fire questions. Sure. <laughs> first question. Oh, Eileen, I've never told you I have a sensory issue with snapping fingers. No. So sorry. that's something you don't tell people because then they just bully you and then they just snap <laughs> them all the time. So it's like one, like I usually just like cringe and let it go. Um, but yeah, yeah. I just did it twice in a row. Oh, like, th thank you. You're, you're, so, oh, you're such I a did. great friend, Eileen. I really appreciate that. Is this, okay. is this what they teach you like in ABA to like, you know, just like put people in like surroundings that are painful and uncomfortable to them? Oh, yeah, or do you just like being mean to me because I give you a hard time? I actually yeah. had forgotten when I did it the second yeah. time. I, I want to mention something. <laughs> I, I want to mention about the therapies also. One thing before we end, sorry. Uh, again. I don't make a specific recommendation of a therapy. I have people that I respect and I admire in ABA therapy. And again, there's a debate in regards to that. We understand. But I always say, look at working within individual. ABA may work for that person or may not. We don't know. Again, the most important thing is to be resourceful. And I'm talking to now parents you know, specifically. To be resourceful and be proactive and never give up. And not let, because not let the negative voices take you away from that mission. Thank you. And we almost made it one full episode without talking about AV. The fire questions. Quick fire questions. First question, what is your favorite food or drink? Oh my God, that's difficult. I go Hispanic, Puerto Rican food. If you could be any animal, fictional or real, what would you choose and why? Any character? Animal, like a dog, cat, lion. Uh, a dog, a dog. What is your favorite Star Wars movie? Oh my God, really? <laughs> uh, okay, I'm, I change that answer every year, so not always. 
I'll go with, I, have to, I still have to go with three because that's the best movies. I don't care what other people say. That was for me the Star Wars, best Star Wars movie. Palpatine was awesome in that movie. So, you know, you need to watch it. I'm sure you're right. <laughs> Do you have any favorite quote or saying? If so, what it is and who said it? Uh, the quotes, sometimes I'm not good with remembering quotes. Um, never give up, you know, I guess never give up, never surrender. That's from this fictional, who was it? The, I forgot the name. But never give up, never surrender. That's it. That's, that's good. What's uh, Okay, what is your favorite autism symbol? Is it the puzzle piece, infinity loop, something else? Oh, wow, the symbol. You know what? I, I, I don't go by no symbol. Whether it's puzzle or rainbows, for me, I always find. Awesome. Well, Tony, thank you so much for uh, coming on our podcast today. It was great speaking with you. Yeah, definitely. If you want to follow my, my social media yes. uh, and also my podcast, my podcast is My Time with Tony Hernandez Pumarejo, bilingual podcast in English and Spanish. If you want to learn more about my work, go to my website, tonyhernandezpumarejo.com. And also you can follow me on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, and other places. I'm here available, here to help and make the difference. And I really appreciate all of you for giving me the opportunity to be here. What's your handle work uh, on social media? It's at Tony uh, underscore Hernandez underscore Pumarejo at Instagram. Or if they can find me under Tony Hernandez Pumarejo on the Instagram search, they'll find me. Cool. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Bye-bye. Right.